1: The COVID opening capital of the world. Seth Cayman's and Sean Palmer. Sean Palmer in Atlanta, Atlanta, Virginia. Wow. Atlanta, Virginia. Atlanta, Virginia. Atlanta, Georgia. You can tell how many places I've lived in my life. Atlanta, Georgia, where I have just come back from my tattoo, followed by my massage, and then my nails getting done, all for my haircut. So I can go bowling tonight for my date because sounds like a plan. Was it at least a happy, was it at least a happy ending? Well, I got to say, this is all supposedly done via social distancing. So I'm not exactly sure how any of that is happening, but that's what our lovely governor has decided to open up. Believe it or not though, it it is a, well, it was a beautiful day, a little bit of cloud cover today. It's 65 degrees today. Beautiful weather. And uh, this weekend was absolutely stunning. 28 miles on the road for me in walking. Um, a good way to start the final week, Seth, of our 43rd year. Yep. Yeah, uh, early happy birthday to you. Um I think you as well.
0: Yeah, since we'll be hosting, you'll, you'll be 44. Um, yeah, we both and, will. As, well, all right. Um, yeah, right now it is 65 degrees without a cloud in the sky. I am playing whiffle ball with my son with a, with a Diet Coke in one hand and the phone in the other. Honestly, I cannot awesome. imagine a better day. Now, to be fair, oh. we've had five or six straight days of crap, followed by expected another four or five days of crap. But we take what we can get. My son is now hitting a whiffle yeah.
1: ball off the second tier of the house. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Jerry McGuire. No, Jakey, on the grass. Yeah. So it's it's the end of Jerry Maguire. Jake, we're going to keep playing.
0: <laughs>
1: Not anymore. I can't win. Jake has lost his Jake has lost his interest. And I'll tell you Seth, the I I will I will say a mea culpa here. And I I, I know it ladies and gentlemen if you'd like to call in 760-283-0846 760-283-0846 I'd like to to proclaim a mea culpa while we start the show. And that is to the NFL and to Roger Goodell. About a month ago when we were on this show, I said it would be a horrendous idea to have an NFL draft. I did. I thought it was. I really thought it was about the last thing that we needed and the last thing that the NFL could pull off. I know that they are a tremendous organization, have technology up the wazoo, but I felt that by focusing on the NFL draft, you were taking away from the from what's going on in the world and from from making more discord than you were more harmony. I was wrong. I was. They they pulled it off. It was phenomenal. You had me hooked from pick one to the end of the draft, which I listened to on my walk, which I never do. I never listen to the seventh round of the draft. I mean, I'm never around for the seventh round of the draft. It's always on a Saturday afternoon. And Seth, I don't know who won and lost in the draft, and I'm not sure you can accurately state that today, who won or lost in the 2020 NFL draft but you can say that you, there were two winners and they were the NFL and ESPN and all of us, because we won. we absolutely won.
0: Yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think I was quite as negative on it as you were. Um, I thought, no, I think I weren't. actually argued to the contrary. I thought it was a necessity, you know, not that it was a any stretch of the imagination, but it was, you know, as a 40 something year old sports fan, I need something. And my friends need something. And, you know, some of us are working. Some of us aren't. Some of us are, you know, preoccupied with our kids. Some of us aren't. But friends that are very sick, some of us don't. I needed one night of normalcy of what I would be doing if I was a single guy with my friends. And that's what that was for me. Um, We had a four-hour... Give or take three and a half to four hours Zoom, you lost your poker game. Um, I, you know, we discussed sports, we discussed drinking, we discussed. It was a normal not drinking, but you know, it could have been. We could have been at the East End on Eightieth in, in New York, with Nabate and yeah. Matt Burton and Rob Roush. You know, it could have been And Randy Zelia for a little bit. It could have been. We could have been doing this on any given day, which is, for once, kind of what we needed, and. I'm not going to lie, I did not listen, watch the third day. I did follow what was going on because the Giants had 87 picks in the seventh round. But <laughs> I, um, it was enjoyable, and my only sincere hope is that the next
1: sporting event is not the NBA draft. Yeah, well, we'll get to that in a little bit. I mean, we'll get, we'll get to the future of sports and where we are in a little bit. Uh, first, what did you like other than the fact that it was a normal it was a normal day in the in the life of all of us? What do you take away besides Jake? What do you take away from the draft that you like? Because to me, I found it more enjoyable this year than than any other year. I I found. And it wasn't because I was sitting at home and it was a normal day. That that does play into it. But I don't need, I don't need the pop of circumstance. I got what I wanted, which was the pick. I don't need the glitch.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of how I feel, too. I like the analysis. I don't never feel like I, I like watching the player reactions, which I always have enjoyed. I don't I've never cared about hearing the in-person interviews with the athletes because they really have nothing to say, you know, it's great. It's great to be drafted by this team. You know, I can't wait to go out there and we could write the interviews ourselves for 95% of the players. I do miss kind of the suits and the outfits that they were, but overall it was more normal. It felt, you know, more genuine. And if It fit the uh, circumstances of the day.
1: and Roger Goodell won. He won. And for all oh, the oh. crap that for all the crap that we have given Roger Goodell over the years, for all the how do I say this uptightness that Roger Goodell has done, for all the for all the idiocy in some ways that he has portrayed. The NFL and hidden behind the shield He didn't hide In this draft He came out And he was a normal person I loved The fact that he looked like he was going to fall asleep By the end of the third round Because it was a long night I mean the first round Was long enough I lost my poker game at I think 11.35 And we we Ended the zoom call at midnight I mean Tremendous stuff I give all the credit to the NFL, to, the, to whoever ran the technology, to those technology guys in all the different places, to Cliff Klingsbury's architect. My Lord. <laughs> I mean, really? Wow, an interior designer? I don't know where Joe Judge was, but that was a great view too. Um, I got to tell you, I love the families in it. I love the kids. Uh, it, it was, it's a human side that you don't see to NFL GMs or even owners. And I know you read Peter King, so do I. One of the nuggets I took out of the F, uh, Football Morning in America this year, this year, this week, was Sweet. that every single every single uh, team had one, uh, one guy delegated to input the picks, and it could be anybody. One guy had the tech guy doing it and the Arizona Cardinals had Mike Bidwell, the owner doing it. And it just made it. So it was more human, I guess is the way to describe it. Right. It was, it was less pomp and circumstance. It was less. These guys are going to be millionaires. And it was more, these guys are just normal people. And the coaches are normal people with their kids. And the owners, are, except for Jerry Jones, are normal people. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, $250 million yacht, he and Klingsbury are definitely at, at the high end of society.
0: Well, he, Jerry Jones was, you wouldn't have really thought so at Cliff Kingsbury. But again, what you can buy in Phoenix, Arizona, versus what what that would get you in New York, or Atlanta for that matter, are two very different things. Um, and
1: Steph, it, it looked like you could hold the whole draft in his living room. Like, that, that was one—that was one impressive architect and interior designer. I mean, it was beautiful.
0: It was. It was. It was pretty great. There's no question about that. And it was a lot of fun. It's also easier to say that when when you're happy with both of your teams' pick, with both with both of us are happy with our teams' picks. Sure. Um, which I think both of us were, although I came it took me a little bit longer to come around than it did you um, but all in all, it was a fun event I'm glad it worked out this way if they continue to do something along these lines, not because of this situation, obviously, I wouldn't be averse to it and obviously they won't they'll do it I think it's in Cleveland next year and I'm sure they'll probably go try to go back to Vegas the year after that but you know the enjoyment of having the so many of the players' reactions when they were drafted, and the family family reactions, and of course, my favorite is Sean's reaction when uh, Becton was taken. We thought it was the brother, who looked like who made uh, <laughs> who made Becky Becton look like he was about he was, you know, about 180 pounds.
1: So, <laughs> your response yeah, on I that was absolutely gonna, classic. They're definitely going to take away some of the stuff from this year that worked. Um, I think that you'll see those cameras in, in players' um, in players' homes. More players going to be represented in the later rounds, which you don't have currently. Uh, I think ESPN could kind of deal away with all the hardship stuff, the Debbie Downer stuff. Um, I really don't care that the guy's dog was killed when he was six years old. Um, but that seemed to make it almost to every single player profile. Uh, I love the fact that there wasn't so much Mel Kiper. <laughs> I mean, I love Mel. I think Mel is great at what he does. I know Mel, this is Mel's weekend, but man, I love seeing all these different people and 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 not dominated by the Dais, not dominated by the three guys at the at the the table. And you know, I miss Todd McShay. Uh it uh I call him Kuyper Jr. because I still think that he's gunning for Kuyper's job. Uh, and I'm I miss seeing the anti mail. And I think uh Todd McShay does that and um from all accounts he's getting better. So uh he he has uh coronavirus, so all accounts he's getting better. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little surprise here. Who do you think won? Uh, who do I think wins every year? Who do you think won?
0: I think I think Baltimore did really, really well.
1: I was talking between me and you. Then we'll get to the team. Oh. Who do you think won?
0: You. Or do we, we tie tied, again? Brother. We tied, Oh, you've got to be kidding. How is that possible? apiece. How is that possible?
1: Sixty-seven apiece, and you know how we tied? We tied because Green Bay. We tied because you had Higgins for Green Bay, and Higgins went first in the second round, and I had Pittman for Green Bay, and Pittman went second in the in the second round.
0: That's how we tied.
1: (laughs) Like, it went into the second round as to how much we tied. And uh, you definitely got, I believe, looking back on it, you got a couple more that are spot on. Uh, I got little trickles here and there. But uh, we definitely did, we we tied. And I I, I don't know. Seth, I don't know. We both missed. We both whiffed on the Giants. We both had Wills. And, uh, Thomas, I had Thomas going six to the Chargers, and you had Thomas going uh, nine. So you got one, and I got got none on that pick uh, because we both had Wills. We both got zeros on that. Uh, Through the first nine picks, we were doing pretty well. I got to tell you, we both – From pick 17 To pick 26 We did not do well my friend We got lots of zeros Uh, Which is generally Which is generally where we lose it Right I mean we generally We generally have We generally lose it because we think we're too smart And we have like Trades and we have Josh Jones Going in the first round Or Ezra Cleveland going in the first round And these guys don't go in the first round In fact Josh Jones didn't go until the third round to the uh, Arizona Cardinals, which is one of the better picks, in my opinion, that was made all all, all draft. The Cardinals yeah. come out with yeah. Isaiah Simmons and with Josh Jones. Uh, I think they had one of the more successful drafts just based on quality rather than quantity. If you want to go quantity, you look at the Giants and you look at the Minnesota Vikings – I think the Vikings had 17 picks in the seven rounds. Um, but I'm not sure this year is a quantity over quality type thing where there may not be a training camp. Uh, they had 15 picks. 16. The yeah. 15 picks. 15. Got it. But quantity over quality doesn't work for me this year if there's no training camp involved. Mm. It just it doesn't. But you liked your draft. You liked it.
0: Yeah, I, I came around on the Giants' pick uh, of Thomas first, and the reason it took me a little while to kind of get there was, you know, we've talked about this that I am not a I I am not a scout. I can't, you know, other than the obvious, like an Orlando pacer, or someone like that, it's hard for me to differentiate. It's hard for me to scout lineman, but everybody um, originally had like seems had Andrew Thomas number four for all or for the offensive lineman. So to go one was a bit of a surprise. I knew they wouldn't go for Becton because Becton you know, failed the drug test, has weight issues. You have to remember if Gettleman fails this draft, he's out next year. Let's call it what it is. Thomas is the safest player in the draft is the safest lineman in the draft. He's played left tackle before, the only natural left tackle. And apparently the Dolphins were trying to trade up to three to actually get Thomas, not to get one of the quarterbacks. So I kind of felt better and better about it. And apparently prior to the Combine, Thomas was the number three, kind of the consensus number three pick. And as I'm not a big combine guy, it made me feel better and better about it. And then there's more, you know, a guy played in the sec. He was an all American. He was an outland semifinalist. There's nothing, you know, if we get a guy who, you know, plays for 10 years and has two to three pro bowls and is a solid lineman, you know, that's what we need. And if, and so if this is the guy and Gettleman loves his hog mollies, if this is the guy Gettleman says is the most a ready and B The best fit. No, it's not my place to doubt it. There are other things I doubt him on, but the drafts, You know, he's given me nothing to nothing to doubt so far. So it took me a little bit, but I was fine with it. One, you know,
1: after thinking about it. And I think you definitely got the one of the better values in the second round. I loved your second round.
0: Yeah, getting McKinney, and Nabate and I over this a little bit.
1: He wouldn't have been my choice
0: simply because I think their biggest need is a defensive end, is an edge rusher, because they have no rush at this point. Uh, Gross Matos, I thought was a bet, would have, may have been a better fit for Esperanza from uh, that went to Buffalo. And I was kind of wondering, I was thinking about this in the back of my mind, if we had the 68th pick, would we have traded up to try to go to 51 or 52 to try and get you know, Esperanza? So I think he went 54. But McKinney... You know, you know, you know, look, we've done very well with our last Alabama safety, in Landon Collins. McKinney was was a was considered the best safety in the draft. It was a, a consensus first round pick, and to get someone who can lead the secondary, because look, the secondary is a, you know, they bring in Bradbury, they have a lot. You know, DeAndre Baker has to be better this year than next year. Jabril Peppers is going into an option year as the other safety. You know, if there there there's there's something there in the secondary, but they needed they needed the fourth guy. And if Julian Love is not the right pick, you know to get to get the number one to get the number one safety in the draft at pick thirty six, nothing wrong with that.
1: No, I agree, I agree. And and look, gentlemen, as you said, his draft his draft history. He reminds you very much of Isaiah Thomas in this respect, right? People don't. People didn't like Isaiah Thomas as a GM. People don't like Dave Gettleman as a GM. But as far as finding players, Isaiah was great. I mean, finding David Lee twenty fourth overall, he was one of the better picks to come out of that draft. I mean, he found players late in the draft. I think that Gettleman is very good. Is a very good talent evaluator. Whether he is a good negotiator is a different story altogether. But he finds his guys and he goes gets them. I'm not sure McKinney he even thought was going to be there. You and I sure as hell didn't. We thought he was gone early first round. We thought he was gone to Dallas in the first round. But Dallas winds up with C.D. Lamb, which, wow. Like, seriously, the Raiders... I think the most pressure on any player from the first round co- coming out this year is going to be Henry Ruggs, the third. It has to be a a typical Raider pick, blinding speed. But was he better than lamb? Was he better than Jerry Judy in that spot? I'm not sure Ruggs, but it, in, you know, you know, he wasn't the number one. He wasn't the number one receiver. In, uh, on the Alabama team. That was Judy. Can he be a number one receiver in Las Vegas? Which still seems very strange to say, by the way.
0: Well, but it's the Raiders. And that's how it works. They like speed. That's what they've always done. Why did they take the cornerback at 19 uh, from Ohio State? Nobody had him that high. I'll bet most about half the people who watch Jeff never heard of our before. And why do they have that high? Speed. Raiders have always been a speed team. And Ruggs is a four two two, four two five running back, five wide out. who's strong? Strong. You know, he's not the route runner that Judy is. He's not the all round player that C D Lamb is, but he is fast and he is strong.
1: So and Darius Hayward, that,
0: the, uh, for the for the Raiders' sake, I hope not. Um, <laughs> and believe me, as a Maryland alum, nothing uh, would have made me happier than to, to see than than for that not to be a, dispara- a disparaging comment. But you know, even as a Maryland fan, we were confused with the Hayward Bay pick, and yeah, you know, Ruggs had a much better reputation. You know, Rugs is a very very good wideout, and. I don't see the pressure per se. He may not live up to the draft expe- expectation, but that team is that team is so hard to and that team is so hard to, to figure out anyway. Um, but it would not have been he would not have been
1: mine. But I'm not surprised considering how the Raiders think. Seth, I say the pressure not necessarily in the draft spot, but who he got picked over. And I think that's where the that's where the pressure is. Three out of the five picks were wideouts. Most teams, obviously not one, <laughs> but most teams had Judy and Lamb. In my opinion, above Rugs, and the Raiders sure. picked Rugs. And there's something to be said for that, where you are, you were not the number one pick on number one wideout on your own college team, and you're going to a team that doesn't have a number one wide out You are the number one. You're the presumptive number one wideout. out It's you and Darren Waller and Jason Witten. Good luck with that. I mean, seriously, I, I, I just don't see it. And then you look at Denver, and Denver did the exact opposite. Denver picks Judy. Denver slowly... Has accumulated high first-round picks and second-round picks on their offense. And granted, I'll tell you, they're nobody's fantasy league quarterback or wideouts or running back. Maybe not running back, but that team is going to score a lot of points. Position-wise, with Cortland Sutton, Cortland Sutton, excuse me, Judy Ingram, Lindsey Locke. If they, can, if they can keep Locke healthy, the team's going to score points, and that's what John Elway said, I'm in a division with Pat Mahomes, I better score some points. And I think they had one of the better drafts. Uh, they had a uh, slightly more unknown draft than the Baltimore Ravens, but a, one of the better drafts amongst the teams. By the way, did you know that Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta live next to each other? I do not.
0: Because yeah.
1: I am not a fucker. The Ravens put it on Twitter where they actually went next nice. to each other. After the draft, they both met at the fence and they discussed <laughs> the, the draft. Yeah. Well, they That's couldn't high-five. They I had said, no, idea. no, 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 can't come, can't come any closer. But So, what do you think about the draft? And I'm kind of like, that is cool. That's pretty it that Look, that's going to be John Gruden and uh and what what's his name? Uh Oh, why can't I think it Derek Carr. Mayock. I oh, think Derek they, Carr. Okay. I think they, No, Derek Carr. I think they have uh homes in the same gated neighborhood in Las Vegas.
0: Well, I I'm sure Derek's not going to be I'm sure uh, Gruden'll be there longer than than uh Derek is at the house.
1: True, <laughs> sure, see? So you liked your Giants pick, and you were starting to talk about the Ravens as a whole. And, look, the Ravens have forever been known as the draft specialists, right? I mean, of all the teams, you come, you go in looking at the Ravens, and you say, that is the model in which I can follow. And I don't think you take anything away coming out of this draft but a reaffirmation of that statement.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, Ozzy Newsom started this trend when he picked Jonathan Ogden over Lawrence Phillips in 99, or 2001, I forget which year it was. I guess it was 99. And then took uh, Ray Lewis, you know, the last pick in the first round or somewhere near that. Um, Eric DaCosta takes over. The beat goes on. You know, Lewis retires. C.J. Mosley comes in. Mosley signs a monster contract with the Jets. And what do they need? They need a linebacker. Who's available? Patrick Queen from LSU. Logical fit. You know they they need they they have good running backs, but they don't have one who can catch out of the backfield because they have Ingram and they have um, Justice Hill. So who do they go for? Who's the best player on the on the board? Probably J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State. They need a wide receiver. They go to Verney, who's going to be a good slot receiver from them. They they just pick well. You know, there's no other way to put it. They pick well, and. You never hear them going for massive reaches. You know, and look, a lot of teams did well. The Cowboys did well. You know, the Vikings did well. The, I thought the I thought Indianapolis did very well. And I think it kind of leads you know, lead, lead them to an interesting situation. But every, very rarely do you ever hear, "Oh, the Ravens had a bad draft." You just don't hear it. And there's a reason for that. And you know, speaking of teams that I you know, had a pretty good draft, I got to imagine which you have to be happy with Joe Douglas's first performance this year.
1: I'm happy with day one. I'm really happy with day two. I'm not as happy with day three. And granted, I understand day three is a crap shoot. I do. But day three is when you pick up your depth. And I did not enjoy day three. I, I, I I, I, I have a hard time with it. So so let, let's play the game, right? Really happy with Beckett. You know this. I mean, I I was gung ho for an offensive lineman. I wanted I wanted Beckett, much the same way as I wanted Josh Allen three years ago. I wanted Beckett. We got Beckett. I love Denzel Mims. I love the pick. I'm not sure I love the guy. I love the pick. Okay, you're at 59. You get the guy that you wanted at 48, supposedly, trade down, pick up another third. Good call. Love it. All right. So, let's picking Ashton Davis in the third round. Okay, another, another safety. This is where I get, I start getting problems here. They bypassed Josh Jones. They could have had another offensive tackle back then in Jones for, with Darnold. And they pick a safety, the one place where, I'm sorry, the Jets have more depth and better talent than anywhere else in the in on the lineup whatsoever. It well, is Marcus Marcus May, May, is is May, is May, is Marcus
0: May going going into his final year of his contract though? Sure
1: he is. Okay. Or, or Jamal Adams. Where it, it just doesn't look you're. Seth, I get it, but you don't take it in the third round, especially a high third-round pick. Okay, let's keep going. Jabari Zuniga, I hate Florida players. <laughs> I have come to – just, just it after last year's all Florida players? No. Or it's just
0: after the, what, the debacle from last year?
1: No. It's, uh, think uh, – how many great Florida players have come out of that system? Seriously, name well, them. This is a different system, dude. Remember, Dan Mullen's only been in there for two years. I get it. But go back – I mean, go back to Urban Meyer. Go back – I mean, how many top like NFL players go to Florida? Hey, didn't Tim Tebow win a couple of players of the week trophies? <laughs> yeah, thanks. None <laughs> of what – I mean, I, I get it, but you're making my point, right? I mean – Florida players generally do not do well in the NFL. Why are the Jets, I mean, I'm going to tell you some of the Florida players, okay? You tell me how many of these guys are top studs. Neron Ball, Jonathan Bostic, Trent Brown. I like Trent Brown, okay. Trey Burton, Andre Caldwell, Riley Cooper, Andre DeBose, Jeff Dempst, Carlos Dunlap. Dominic Easley, Matt Elam, Josh Evans, Tarif Floyd, Dante Fowler, Max Garcia. Can you stop me when I've hit a, a pro bowler? Mike Gillespie, Chaz Green, Joe Hayden, there's your first one. Joe Jalapio, Frank Harmon, Jonathan Harrison, Percy Harvin, Will Hill, DJ Humphreys, Jelani Jenkins. You have first round picks throughout this entire scattered throughout this. And no pro bowlers. You have one Pro Bowl. No. No, no, no. Do not want a Florida pick. I, I cringed the minute I saw that they had taken Florida. Anybody from Florida. How about, they could have taken how the about center. You had
0: Emmett, You have Chris Collinsworth. You have Javon Kirst.
1: Dude. You have Fred Taylor. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. You're making my – I think you're making my point. I get it. But the fact I get is, you could, have got, you, you could have gotten Lloyd Cushberry – the center, which the Jets need, or a cornerback like Cameron Datsler, who went 89 to the Vikings. My Lord, I don't want Florida players, so let's keep going. Round four. Oh, we took another guy from Florida. Yay! Hey, the running backs have been a little bit
0: better. The running backs from Florida have been a little bit better, number one. Number two, to take a running back when you may may want to cut Le'Veon Bell after next year...
1: Maybe not the worst thing in the world I don't have a problem with that Seth I just have a problem with the running back they took Because he's from Florida But you know nothing more about him than that he's from Florida Well I know that he caught 40 passes He doesn't have top flight speed That's a problem He's not You want to take a running back I, I, I get it I w- Go in the third round take a better running back If that's your point and you know what? If Bell's not going to be here next year, take a third round or a second round pick next year. Why do we need to do it a year in advance? He's not going to okay. get reps. Hate it. Hate this pick. Round four. Oh, let's take a quarterback. Not only are we taking a quarterback, but we're taking a quarterback from Florida International that had a rating of sixth to seventh round, but we're taking him in the fourth. My Lord. <laughs> I love their their later fourth-round pick, which was Cam Clark, because we need offensive linemen. This is, again, depth. Love this pick. Fifth round, best pick of the draft, Bryce Hall.
0: Bryce Hall. Cornerback yep. out of Virginia. I, love that.
1: He he loved was, that pick. He, he was a guy who was not he,
0: injured last year, would have been a second- or
1: third-round pick. Exactly. And then taking a punter in the sixth round, I'm golden. I like, you like that. that. You Do know, you, you, you know need what? a punter? Uh, So our punter was, I believe, uh, Lake Edwards, who was 15th out of 30 or 32, a mediocre punter. Hey, we've seen what great punters do, right? We've seen what the punter in Seattle gets done, uh, Michael Dickerson. We see that a great great punter could actually turn the game. I don't mind taking a punter in the sixth or seventh round considering – I would say 60% of the sixth or seventh rounders don't make it anyway. He'll contribute more than most sixth or seventh rounders will. Sure. If you see a think about it this that you way. want, go.
0: He's only What's he's that? only five rounds behind uh, behind Yeah. <laughs>
1: and then we trade and then we traded our sixth round pick for another corner from Indy named Quincy Wilson, which I don't have a problem with. It's those middle rounds that where you're supposed to get your depth, where you're supposed to get your starters. That this is my point. You take a a running back that's not going to be a starter in the third round. You could have had a center that would have been a starter. You could have had a defensive tackle that would have been a starter. You could have had a linebacker that could have been a starter. You take a safety early in the third round. Why? You have two of them. I get what he's trying to do. I, I do, but I just don't like it. I don't. I I love day one. I love day two. Day three, yeah, I have a huge. The fourth rounders kill me. No, I get it. You know,
0: going back to the Giants quickly. You know, the the, the whole need for the Giants. There are things that I could, wish they could have done. I, I would have. The only pick that I really had an issue with, and I'm not going to get into the seventh rounders. Cause I just don't know them well enough to determine. But they took, two, they took two linebackers and their first edge rusher. The fourth round, they could from Boise State, who ended up going, I think, at the top of the fifth to Miami. That, to me, would have been a guy who had like 35 sacks in three seasons, and he ran a bad 40 time. And I hate when that's what we're looking at. Um, you know, they, they went corner. The Giants have so many young corners. Baker, Sam Beal, Julian Love, um, you know, who they may move to safety. They may have him as a slot corner, which is what they expect Holmes to be. But their big need, and I know their big need was offensive line, and they went first round, third round, fifth round, offensive line. And Pearl, you know, is going to probably take over, you know, is, is going to be, probably sit for a year, the third pick. The fifth pick, Lemieux, I think will probably start at guard this year. There's a good chance he will. And this is what they needed to do. You know, look, I, I'd rather I, – I wish there was a way they could get in Ginway. I don't see how they can do it. I know they just offered, was it the, 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 uh, the unrestricted free agent tender, which I don't remember ever seeing before, to Marcus Golden, which sets him at like 5 or $6 million, um, which I don't know where they're going to get any pass rush from. That is the only th- but uh, which is why I get why they took McKinney, who's probably the best player on the board at that point. I don't know if it was the right pick, but I have no issue with it. Um, I don't look at it really from a college standpoint that, you know, Florida's had crappy players, crappy pros. So these guys are going to be crappy pros. I don't understand the Morgan pick. I don't think you need to develop a third quarterback. You, you have a 25 year, you, you have a 25 year old, you know, who's going to be a starting quarterback for the next five to 10 years. Most likely you need to bring in a guy, you know, God help me saying this like Flacco to be your backup. You know, or a guy like McCown was, or someone who to bring in a developmental. I don't see the priority at a fourth round. I I, I get that. The prime pick, I don't have a problem with. You know, the Giants went mostly offensive line in the beginning and mostly linebacker in the back. You know what?
1: I'm okay with it. Um, I will tell you. We'll I goes. will tell you Titus if, if the Jets sign Joe Flacco. Um, I will apologize to you over and over and over again for anything I said about Joe Flacco and the cantankerous relationship that you have with him, because <laughs> it would only it would it, it would only serve me right if Joe Flacco signed with the Jets <laughs> for all the crap that I've you over the for all the crap I've given you over the last seven years with Joe Flacco. Much the because. same way as, look, I didn't call you and thank you for Ashton Davis when it happened. I will thank you for You're Ashton up. Davis now. You don't want them, <laughs> so that's okay. I know. I, I real. I, well, I, I look. It's still a pick. <laughs> I'll take it. In fact, every Giants fan besides yourself uh, texted me. They all love the Ashton Davis pick. Which, okay because they're not looking at it through the lens of a Jets fan. They're looking at it through the lens of a normal, he's he's a good player. He just doesn't fit what the Jets are doing. And they to a man, everyone said, text me, you're welcome, right after that pick. And I'm like, well, it's nice to hear from Giant fans that are okay with this. And then I said, what am I welcome for? And to a man, they all respond, Shut up, you know you weren't giving Leonard Williams a contract anyway absolutely one hundred percent correct but yeah. i I look the the giants making that there 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 are two major uh news announcements today. number one is you're right in that Marcus Golden was given the May fifth tender, which I don't recall seeing either ever. And what that means is that if he is unsigned by July 22nd, basically the Giants have exclusive rights to him at 110% of his his previous salary, which I believe is 5.5 million dollars. About five and a half million. million. Yeah. yeah. Which would be a phenomenal deal. Now, here's the here's the corollary to that. You know that Jadavian Clowney. Is not getting offers of seventeen million dollars when when he wanted twenty because Seattle did not put that tender on him and that tender for Seattle they they don't believe he's worth seventeen million dollars on a one year deal. Remember last year, Clowney was paid fourteen million dollars, but seven million was paid by the Houston Texans. Yep. who I'll tell you I'll tell you Seth. The Texans signed uh, Laramie Tunsil, the guy, the guy, if you remember, four years ago with the, with the mask <laughs> on the draft. And, man, he reset that market for tackles, didn't he? <laughs> he did. Well, and, look, Houston
0: was in a terrible situation because you having traded two first-rounders to get him, Tunsil had all the leverage in the world. And, by the way, if you ever want to see a poker face, don't watch Bill O'Brien after the third-round pick. Oh, no. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, $22 million a year, I think, was the number. Yeah. You know, it's you – yeah, know, what can you say? But it's a um, – you know, look, if the Giants can get golden for $5.5 million for one more year – Great. I mean, look at a minimum. Even if he's not a ten, even if he's really not a full-fledged top, you know, you know, double-digit sack guy, he's a big effort guy, and he's a consummate professional. And that's I have no problem with having you know throwing for such a young defensive line, because you look through it. It's Lawrence and Tomlinson and Hill, you know, in the the third-round pick from last year from Old Dominion. I can't pronounce his name. You know, it's it's a it's a young defensive line. So one more year, yep. I'm fine with it. I don't think they can get Clowney. Yep. And to be honest, to sign Clowney for one year does me no good. I have no interest. To sign him in a one-year 14, yep. and that's what he, that's what he's going to be. He's going to be a prove-it player. Yep. And to go for one year and then be
1: gone, not interesting. Well, there's, there's, there's two things that go along with that. One is – understand that if you do franchise him, he gets the quarterback franchise tag because it'll be a second tag, which you don't want to do. So you're looking at $24, $25 million. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, when we talk about resetting the market, he didn't – Laramie Tunsil didn't reset the market. He blew the market away. So, number one, Laramie Tunsil was traded from the Dolphins to the Texans for two first-round picks, and he went with Kenny Stills, and I believe he went with a fourth-round pick. I think that was, the, that was the trade. Sounds about right.
0: Yeah. He, went without,
1: he went without a contract. I think there were some sevenths also swapped, but that was basically the contract, uh, basically the trade. He went without a contract, and he needed an extension starting uh, next year. Uh, he was going into his fifth-year option. And he went without an agent, which – Means five more percent into Laramie Tunsil's bucket. The highest-paid tackle before this contract, Anthony Costanzo, a three-year, averaging sixteen point five million dollars per year. Laramie Tunsil is now earning twenty-two million dollars per year. When I say blow away, five point five million. He he jumped it by. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I take a raise of 10% and we can, from another job, and we consider ourselves the luckiest people in the world because we're getting a raise of 10%. He didn't get a raise of 10%. Imagine you jumping the highest-paid person in your job by 25%. That's what he did. He went from $7 million to $22 million a 300% increase on his, on his salary. And without an agent, that's 5% that he keeps. And one of the best lines, and I love this line, because I love when players are honest. He said, I went out to reset the market because I can. Nothing wrong with that statement. I wish more people would say it. Because there's nothing wrong with, earn, with getting the most money that you can to value yourself the right way. We all do it. Why should, we, why should we tell athletes not to do it? And when you say take a hometown discount, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, that's bullshit. Because if it doesn't go to the player, it goes to the owner. It never flows down to you and me. So who do you want it to go to? you want it to go to a player? you want to go to the owner because your ticket prices are not coming down because Laramie Tunsell doesn't sign a contract. I'll tell you that flat out. So well, so that... we got about... Yeah. Well, we got about 10 more minutes. I got to tell you, I, I really liked... One, one more thing. I really liked how ESDN did not overplay Tom Brady this weekend. They spoke about him. They spoke about getting worse. They spoke about trading up. I get all that. This is the first draft where it was actually more about Belichick than it was about anybody else, and that's because he was missing in action for most of it. I had a lot of – I thought that was – that and, obviously, Bill O'Brien were the two highlights for me of the draft. (laughs)
0: It was a lot of fun, and you know let's hope let's let's be glad it happened and let's hope as I stated that we never have we never are forced to do it again agreed agreed
1: and and with that, wait a second, we have a tweet rich to me oh nothing anyway, I thought we were having some more breaking news, but um we had A little bit of insight into sports coming back. The Lakers have asked California for their stay-at-home order, how that's going to affect them, considering that the NBA would like to start up, and they have already said you can start up if your state allows it, uh, practices or workouts. Seth, I'm not – you and I have talked about this Fans are not going to be anywhere near stadiums for a very long period of time. I certainly won't. I don't think you will either. You're going to watch this on TV, and my question is, do you ever see fans going back? Look, I, I, lo- I like the NFL draft better this way than I did the way it was before. Maybe you might like sports better without fans, too. No, absolutely not.
0: I think it'll take two years for fans to come back. Um, Assuming there's no, this doesn't have, this doesn't reoccur. Um, The draft is one thing. Come on, man. When you used to go to a Syracuse Georgetown game and Pearl, uh, I guess not Pearl, but uh, Billy Owens is before (laughs) your time too. Crap. Not that old. Oh, John Wallace. And John Wallace hit a three-pointer to win a game. I'm just, there is nothing like being a fan and the in in the raw roar of the crowd, there's nothing like being a fan at a game like that. Um, now, for a major league baseball game, do I think it matters? Not particularly because this baseball is just not built that way. You know, there's not, you're not rising to a crescendo one, you know, every game. And, you know, once or twice a year, you have something of that magnitude. But I think when you get to the playoffs, it probably, you know, again, we're not going to have playoffs until God knows when. But um, I think for a norm, for normal sports, I don't – I think it'll be impactful. Um, I think people will come back. I think that the players are going to want it back. To a degree, they do feed off emotion. And emotion only comes from fans because you can't go you can't you, you you can't go over the top crazy with your emotional just your to the other players it's to everyone who's in the fans who's screaming along with you or screaming at you that's part of it that's part of the fun of it and i don't think we'll enjoy it more i think we'll deal with it because that's what that's our reality for the next year probably but i don't think it's mm-hmm. I I don't think it's that's a permanent. It'll be a permanent, it'll be a permanent preference. Let's put it that way.
1: Okay, I mean I I, I can definitely get behind that, uh, and I I appreciate that. You're right. I think baseball does have its its moments. I know that I am by far a bigger baseball fan than you are, and it does have its moments, especially in the playoffs. But you're right, an everyday game. I don't go to many of those to begin with, for the same reason, right? The the, the emotion is just not there. Um, but college basketball, college football, well, college in general, we we I think we attach ourselves more to our college team than we do anything else. And even walking around Atlanta, I wear my Syracuse stuff, and I get honk, I, I get horns honking at me, or pointing to my jersey. And I'm wearing a no, jersey dude, from the No, it's just girls.
0: Think it's just girls think you're hot. That's
1: all. Well, that would be nice, but they're not the ones. Can't, <laughs> they're not the ones pointing. Um, maybe it's no, getting. huh? The, maybe. Eh. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just not for me. Um, <laughs> but but I was wearing my circus jersey yesterday out walking. I was getting hogs and points and and. And people associate more with your college team than you ever will your your pro team. There's certainly more emotion that goes into your college team. And we've talked about that numerous times. And I think that more than anything else is what bothers me in saying that I don't believe we're going to see college football this year at all. I I just don't see it. I don't see the economics working. I don't see – the stands being filled, and by economics I mean you're you're not going to play to empty stands. College is nope. just not going to do it. It's not financially there for them. They make more on the gate than than pro teams do, even though it's cheaper. Um, they make more on uh, a percentage. They make more on, and it is it's unlikely that you will see it. I just I I can't imagine. Getting to that point, remember, these college teams are starting to work out in June. If you all of a sudden say in September, hey, guys, we're ready to go, you you don't just flip a switch. They're students first. Regardless of what anybody says, they are students first. And they have to be eligible, and that requires a lot. Okay, we got five minutes left. Uh, I'll go first. You can go after me. Um, Okay, so first of all, uh, normally we have a show in between our birthdays. This year is one of the anomalies where uh, Seth's birthday is on Friday, my birthday is on Sunday. Um, A very happy, look, 44 is a special number to me. Uh, It goes into Syracuse lore. So, uh, and again, it goes back to college. Uh, A very happy 44th birthday to you. Uh, I am I gotta tell you, I'm a little depressed that we're we're not sharing it, which we do. We've done every year for te- almost a decade now. So uh, I'm I'm a little more than that. I'm a little depressed that we're not together. But we will get to that uh, when this all subsides, and we'll celebrate as my uh, English friends say properly. Yep. Somehow a Zoom
0: a, uh, a a cider drink for you and a beer for me over Zoom doesn't really seem seem right. Um, but yeah, forty four. Look at us. We're almost we're almost halfway to grown up. Well, no, not really. If anyone has ever talked to us more than more than fifteen minutes. No, we're not. Um Yep, not even close. But um yeah, it's you know, it's it, that's why we host. look, it's it's an excuse. It's it's one of the reasons we host the show because how often do you get to talk to your best friend about sports for an hour without anyone bothering you? Um except when my son cries of course. But um you know, we are, you know, the, the show, we, look, we do the show because it's a blast. It's, it's fun to talk about. I'm just playing on ESPN right now, and I'm not going to talk about anything serious because, you know, talk about that Deshaun Nix is now going to the G League. So maybe a discussion for next week is really what is the impact of two top recruits sure. skipping the NPA going straight to the G League. How is Joe Lenardi updating bracketology for next year? What has changed from this week to last, from last week to this week? I don't understand. Seth, all, I don't
1: get it. It's all about content. It's all about just putting out content for ESPN, for CNN, for, SI, for SI.com. It's all about clicks at this point. It's right. You and, and the, I struggle write an with article. content every week. No, nah, I mean, not this week. This, the last few, actually, we've only really, really struggled
0: once or twice. And, but if we get into the dog days of summer without sports, we will. But right. um, this week was pretty easy. But
1: how do you oh, update the bracketology? All it is is
0: brackets.
1: Well, well Arizona State got the, that guy right, and Texas got, like, the top ten recruit. I mean, there there was some movement this week, but you're right. It's, it's, it's Lenardi trying to put content out. And uh, the unfortunate part is this, you, you clicked on it, or you will, and I will, and everybody will because it's something new. And um whatever. I mean it is what it is, right? Um, okay, so uh we're gonna wrap up. So uh happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to uh, you. we will see you next week with uh the two the two forty-four year olds on the show. Uh for Seth Cayman's, this is Sean Palmer, sportspage dot com, blog talk radio. And a really big thank you to everybody that joined the Zoom podcast the Zoom cast on Thursday night, as Seth said, that was a blast, and we will do that in person at some later point, because I, I hadn't, like you said, Seth, had not had had not had not a night like that since this whole thing started. So, a real big thanks to all that participated. And uh, we'll check you next week. All right. Have a good one, everybody. Happy birthday, brother. See ya.